Podcast Studios. This, this is After Nine with Scott and Kat. Hey now. Howdy, friends. Happy uh, 420 Eve, everybody. Tomorrow is the big day. Welcome to this episode of After Nine. And since I mentioned it, does 420 even matter anymore? Is it a big day? I mean, I feel like I can never, I will never look at April 20th. I will never see 420 together and not think about weed, though. Forever, forever, forever. But it does not have the same meaning as once did. It's not like you're like, today's the day we're all going to smoke. Because, like, it was one of those days where people gathered to, like, try to push for legalizing marijuana. And here we are. We live in a we live in a world where there's cannabis shops around every corner now. So could you celebrate it? Absolutely. Do we, do we feel a need for it anymore? I don't know we do, at least around here. Well, I think that 420 needs to evolve a little bit. And, and whereas it used to be a drive to try and legalize it or decriminalize it or whatever, I think so much has changed since it became legal that we need to flip the script on 420. If you really want 420 to be a day of activism, then there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. There's people in actual jail for cannabis. Right, 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 right. That is a good, yes, and that is something that that maybe that's what we shift our focus to. And, and I know some people already have, but may, that's an important thing, I think. There's people that have criminal records because of cannabis. There is people that, uh, or there's pot shops that aren't even allowed to advertise. They have a business and right. they pay taxes and they they donate to charities and and they have so many restrictions on them. If you home, if let's say you own Bob's Cannabis Shop and the local T-ball team comes along and wants a sponsorship, fuck no, you can't donate any money because you're a pot shop. And maybe that's for the best when it comes to kids. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> nobody's going to have like polar vodka jerseys either. So I get that. But I see what you mean, though. Like, there, still, it's one of those things that you could also do that for an adult team. You could sponsor uh, any number of things. A, a walk, right? Like, you could sponsor a, a run. Uh, lots of different alcohol brands are able to do it currently. Sure. They have to have their windows covered because, God forbid, somebody see into the store. They, they can't advertise in the way that every other business can advertise. It's very, very frustrating that we've made progress, but we're still kind of paused in this weird thing. There's still certain municipalities in the province of Ontario that won't allow pot shops because they're afraid of the crime that it'll bring. I'm looking at you, Mississauga. I'm looking at you, Oakville. I'm looking at you, places like that. It's crazy to me. So I think that if you'd like to participate in 420 and continue to make it a day of activism, then those are some of the causes you should take on. Now, Kat, we find ourselves today with a whole bunch of different balls up in the air. First off, that was a goddamn train wreck last night. That Leaf game uh. was, at first it was an, oh no, not again, when Tampa Bay scored right away. And then they scored again. And I thought, all right, well, that's the, they had a bad period. They can bounce back and still sweep this series. Oh shit, no, no. It got ugly yesterday. Was it 7-3, the final score? I didn't even watch the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it was 7-3. Rough, rough start to the series. It doesn't necessarily mean anything yet yet I think once they I mean if this is like game if we're talking like game two three then I'm freaking worried but I they could bounce back they could you actually had a really good point sorry I don't mean actually you have great points all the time uh you had a great point this morning though when you pointed out they did win the first game last it year it was my husband that brought that up because I'm the one that was trying to console him on the <laughs> loss he said but and he's trying to be optimistic still they lost five nothing or sorry they won five nothing the first game of the the series last year, the first series. 
And then they lost the series. So, again, one game, yes, of course it matters, but for now it doesn't mean much until they get to that, like, three-ish games, and then you got to go, shit. Well, you certainly are seeing a lot less Leaf jerseys around today than you saw yesterday, right? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen one yet. Not one. Not one. I don't even think the Leafs players are wearing Leafs things right now. Not until they have to tomorrow night. As expected, gas shot up eight cents a liter at midnight. The average price today is $1.649. It's the most we've paid since November. And some analysts say it is because of, you wondered why yesterday, it's because of the switchover from the winter blend to the summer blend. However, Roger McKnight, I think he's from NPRO. I heard him yesterday on the news doing an interview, and he said, this one is a little weird because the market is calling for a two-cent decrease, but it's going up eight cents. And as strange as that sounds, it gets even more bizarre in that it's only the eastern half of Canada, like Ontario, right out to the Maritimes, Hmm. where it went up this much. In western Canada, it didn't. So are we getting ripped off or not? Are we? I mean, I think we're always getting ripped off. But why is there nobody looking into this? I, I don't understand. I don't For know. a year, as long as I can remember, people have been wondering, how are they setting the price of gas? And why is it fluctuates so much? Not to mention, we've got so much oil in this country. Why are we buying it on the open market? Why don't we just breed it here? Do we not have like, um, I don't know, someone who looks into these things for us? Parliament. Are like elected, they're supposed to, right? Well, I mean, this, like someone in particular, like an, I don't even want to call them an ombudsman because I don't know. We're not even getting this from our own country, which doesn't make sense. You're looking for like a gas czar? It's, yes. A gas yes. czar. Like, why don't we have that? One of the, why don't we have one of those? We did. We had Dan McTagg. He was a great politician. Oh, right. And he was looking out for us. And, and he's watching. I mean, he is, he's great on social. He is great on, we should have him on one time. Uh, because he is good and he keeps you up to date on all the things. He knows a lot about it. He actually does listen to After 9 from time to time. Does he? Yeah. Well, Dan, come on the show. We'd love to have you one time to try to figure this out because I know that he knows way more about it than I would. If the problem really is that we don't refine oil in this country, can we please build a fucking refinery? How is it that we can build this many condos that quickly, but we can't build one refinery? Build the goddamn refinery. Let's refine some Canadian oil and let's start selling Canadian oil to Canadians for like 40 cents a liter. Like that's our actual cost. And you would also have people wanting to come here. Think about the attraction that would be for people who don't live here. Like, oh, go there and fill up our tanks. It's not that bad. We'll drive there. We'll just fill up there. It's cheap. I wouldn't mind being that. I'm good with that. Well, the fact that they can just fuck us because we're on the open market here as opposed to just, why can't I just go out to Alberta and dig a hole and then send it to the refinery and they send me back a a jerry can of gas. I know. It's silly. It's ridiculous. It's silly for them, too. I mean, even there in Alberta, the prices aren't fabulous. No, they're not. And it's their oil. It's theirs. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. While we're talking about uh, things in the news... Another big thing came down yesterday, and I thought that this was going to be something that most people would agree on. But nope, now that it's official, everybody's turning. Premier Ford has announced the Ontario Science Centre is going to move from its current home on the east side of Toronto to the redeveloped Ontario place on the waterfront. Mm. When I first heard this idea floated, it was by Anna Bylaw. She's running for mayor of Toronto. And I thought, oh yeah, I never thought of that. They got to do something with Ontario Place. Oh, it's because it's a sad place to be at. It is. It's as sad as Marine Land. You walk around and it's just decaying and decrepit and it's dirty and there's nothing going on. There's no vibe. Yet it's on one of the most beautiful waterfronts in the country. Exactly. Is it cracked pavement? Like it's like just 
might as well see like tumbleweeds flying by. It's a sad situation. And it once was a very cool place to be. And it is a great chunk of land. There's lots to see there if you build it up. So I am glad something's coming. Ford said the redeveloped Ontario Place is going to include the Science Center, an expanded amphitheater. So Budweiser Stage presumably is going to get even more seating. There's going to be a public beach, great idea, bars, restaurants, a new marina, and a massive spa on the water. Ford says the Science Center is going to move in 2025, but it'll remain open at its current location until then. Is that like a two-man-in-a-truck kind of deal, or how, how do you move the Science Center? I assume everything individually has got to come out, but they've already got to have a home for it at Ontario Place. So the build there needs to be done before they start taking shit out of the Science Center to move it down to the waterfront. I'd imagine it'll it'll also come with a revamp of the Science Center itself. I, if you're the Science Center, this is your time now to look into what you want the Science Center to look like in, what year, 2025? This yes. is happening? So, so you look down the line a couple of years, and you think, what new thing? could we bring when you move the science center i think that they're also they're not just going to move everything physically as it is there i think they're going to have new cool things and there's probably always new cool things that they could look into this is the time to invest in those cool things because you're going to have more people there based on the fact it's new and there's a lot of new attractions around you do you see a scenario where there's some sort of like regular people would do when they're moving do you think there's a yard sale Oh, a yards. Probably. Do you think somebody could go and just buy like that ball when you put your hand <laughs> on it, your your hair stands up? Can you buy shit like that? The cool the cool thing about the science center though, if you it's been a long time since I, I should go. I should bring my kids there because I remember going on those field trips. You, I'm sure you do too. Like I went on the field trip there. It was a great day. It was fun. It was cool. We did that thing where we touched that ball and our hair stood up. But the cool thing about it is those things are actually a lot of the things on display and stuff are everyday things. It's just in, you just have to take an interest in science. Like it could be all kinds of things that you see every day, but they set it up in a way where it's like, check this out. You don't need to like necessarily bring the exact same things that are there with them. But I think it'd be cool if they like did something new and different at a new wing of the science center, something we've never seen before here. Because if you look at science centers all around the world and what they've done, there's a lot more we could do with the science center, to be honest with you. So now's the time to do that. If anyone from the science center board is listening, I'm sure you agree now is the time to think about what we could bring to that science center, the new one, um, that is kind of rare and we'll have people talking. What I don't understand about moving the science center, and again, I'm totally in favor of this. I think it's a great idea. That's a great location for it. And I think it will help bring people back down to Ontario Place. That is supposed to be the prime attraction in the country. It's in the center of Canada. It makes sense that we would do something better there. The fact that there's going to be a beach and bars and restaurants, they're going to make it a whole touristy type district, a tourist trap, if you will. Good. That's exactly what we mm-hmm. need in a city like Toronto. My question is, didn't we just put shovels in the ground to start building the Ontario subway line? And isn't the Ontario subway line supposed to go from Ontario place to the science center? Well, now if the science center isn't there, if it's down at Ontario place, didn't the Ontario line just become kind of obsolete? Well, maybe not. It, it, I mean, because if their plan is to put houses there where the Ontario Science Center currently is, then you're still going to allow people from that area to go to the Ontario place easily. Are they building hotels? Did you mention hotels in there when you said it? Hotels. Are there any hotels being built in that area? Funny, they haven't said hotel, because, but I imagine the spa will probably be part of a hotel. I 
I'm, I'm, that's what I'm, is missing for me because I'm thinking, okay, if I want to bring my family down there, that's a great spot. Actually. I really like it along that waterfront. And, but for me, the issue is there's lack of hotel in that area. Cause I'm, I'm likely not going to drive down there, park down there for a day. I mean, maybe I would. Right. But if I can stay down there, if you're telling me I can have a spa afternoon and I could just put my stuff in a hotel so I don't have to worry about it. Then we go to the science center. Maybe we go to the beach all in one spot. I'm way more likely to go there. Not being from Toronto, of course or Mississauga for that matter, not being anywhere in the GTA, I'm more likely to go there if they set up a hotel. So I hope that's the case, but we'll see. Either way, I'm really glad they're, they're bringing life to that area because it's, again, it's very sad. Do something with it. And you know what? If we can put some more concerts there too, maybe even extend the X, it doesn't need to only run for two and a half weeks or right. three weeks every year. Yeah. We can move most of the festivals down to the waterfront and get them off of the clogged city streets. There's a lot of reasons that we could do more with Ontario Place. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I want to thank everybody who took the time to send us a note yesterday. Some of them congratulatory. Some of them just laughing. Loblaw is hiring a veteran European retail executive as its next president and CEO. The parent company of Loblaw's grocery chain and shoppers drug mart says per bank. That's his actual name. Per bank. Stop. Yep. I thought that was the name of an organization. So did I. <laughs> per bank. P-E-R. Bank. I thought that was just like a like a accumulative group of rich people. Okay. He's given his notice to Denmark's Saling Group, which operates department stores and grocery stores and discount stores in, in Denmark. He's given his notice. He's going to join Lobla in early 2024. He is going to kind of replace Galen Weston. Galen Weston had to go. I think everybody understands mm. that. He's toxic. This guy's a lightning rod for controversy because he's the face of inflation in yeah. this country. Uh, new inflation numbers came out yesterday. It's down to just over 4%, but food inflation is still at almost 10. Mm -hmm. and, and we all saw that scummy, slimy response that Galen gave with a, that smug look on his face at the parliamentary hearings. And, oh, well, we're not making any money off of groceries. Very, very small profit margins. Blah, 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 blah. We're making money off of other things. But we won't tell you what the other things are, and we're not going to show you our books. That's basically right. what he did. It was a slap in the face to most people. We didn't get answers on inflation. So people blame him. There's people who boycott all Blah Blah stores altogether because of Galen Weston's yeah. smug face. And now he's gone. No more Galen in a no-name yellow sweater trying to sell you broccoli for a buck ninety-nine a head. Tell you what's cooking in the PC kitchen. Yeah, get the fuck so, out of here. This guy had to go. The thing is, he's still in. in he's still the boss. He's still the uh, uh, head of the the overall company that runs Loblaw and Shoppers and all right. that sort of thing. He's not going anywhere. So I'm not taking a victory lap on this, but I am happy that I won't have to see his ugly face. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm mad about the groceries. I won't, I wouldn't, I mean, look, I, so am I, I think everybody is, he is still involved. You're absolutely right. Why did it have to happen right after he got that sick ass bonus? Yeah. Like, I just feel like it was one of those, the timing is interesting for me because all the shit hit the fan and the shit continued to hit the fan. And then, oh, you didn't make enough. Here's a bonus. And now you're announcing, don't worry. There's someone coming in here and you're going to get to know per bank. <laughs> per bank. 
Um, is that, by the way, is that person even going to be the face? Or are they re- going to revamp everything? Do you think with like a new mascot or some shit? Are they going to bring in like a cute little cuddly something or other, like a stuffed animal to be the mascot just to kind of calm everything down? That would be their best move. I mean, I think the shareholders look at what's going on. And even though maybe everything could be on the up and up because they would have access to the books, I would think. But they're looking at the media attention that the company's getting, oh, and yeah, they're just—it's not a good idea for Galen yeah. to stay there. Yeah, I, I agree, I, and it had to happen. You're right; it did have to happen. We'll see what they end up doing because I feel like this will probably come with a bit of a revamp. Because when you think about any commercials, not that they're—I mean, they have radio commercials, for example, and those have nothing to do with Galen usually, but every now and again it does. So it'll be interesting to see if they do a full marketing uh, revamp in the coming months. Cat, once again, the prime minister is in the hot seat. This goes back to his most recent Christmas vacation in Jamaica. Radio Canada, that's the CBC in Quebec, is reporting Justin Trudeau stayed at the estate of a wealthy donor during that week in Jamaica, a wealthy donor to the Trudeau Foundation. The NDP accuses Trudeau of being out of touch with regular Canadians for his lavish vacation in a villa that costs $9,000 a night. The Conservatives noted the taxpayers themselves took a hit of $160,000 on this. Trudeau says he and the donor in question have been family friends for decades, and his office cleared the travel with the Federal Ethics Commissioner. I've got my hand up. Can I ask a question about that? Yeah. If he stayed at this place, and, uh-huh. and it's a friend, a family friend, great. He still paid the money? No, the hundred taxpayer money or no, the, the, I, I believe somebody did pay for it. I'm going to play some audio for you in just a sec, because that would be my question. Just because if this is a family friend and a, and a, and a, Hey, I, I sponsor the Trudeau foundation and all these things. Why? I would hope that he would just say, stay at my place for free for your vacation and not use taxpayer dollars. So I haven't seen the whole breakdown, but what I will tell you is the cost to the taxpayers was 160000 and about 120000 of that was just in security, fly, oh. flying all the RCMP Which down happens. there and Which stuff happens. like that. I mean, that's the shitty thing. It's, sh- it's shit, but it's true. They We do have to spend a lot on security for these people, and he's not the only one that has a lot of money spent on security for him. Now, the Prime Minister does fly on a private jet, and he did for this trip as well, which also helps house his security details. And all that sort of thing. So that's fine. Um, uh, Trudeau, when he does travel, because he has to be on his plane, it's he's obligated and all prime ministers are if they go on a personal vacation, but they're required to take the government jet for security reasons, they have to reimburse the cost of what it would have cost to fly Air Canada. That's not even a lot. And that's not even a lot compared to what you just got for a private jet. No, that's fair. That's more than fair. Oh, he uh, he paid Air Canada economy rates for him and his family to fly on a Challenger jet, first class, catered the of whole course, nine yards. Of course it was. Here's the thing on this. Before I play this audio, everyone, even the prime minister of the country, is entitled to a vacation. Our prime minister, just like prime ministers around the world and presidents and, and all those sort of people, they have security details. There's certain things that have to be taken into account. They can't just go on red tag and book themselves a week all-inclusive in Punta Cana. It doesn't work like that. So, I don't begrudge the Prime Minister going away. I think $160,000, given all things equal, is probably probably fair-ish. However, here's the problem. You've got a Prime Minister 
presiding over a middle class that is very, very underwater with debt mm-hmm. and interest rates, and he's taking another lavish vacation. I thought he would have learned his lesson after the Queen's funeral when he got caught taking a $6,000 a night room. Yeah. And I thought, okay, he's going to, he is totally going to mind his P's and Q's for the next little while. He'll be on his best behavior because he didn't like the negative attention he got for that. But in this case, he actually doubled down and went for a $9,000 a night room to stay in these villas in Jamaica. So let me play a little bit of what happened yesterday in the House of Commons. Because of the galloping inflation this prime minister has caused, two-thirds of Canadians say they are cutting back on summer vacations, and one quarter say they've canceled their vacations altogether. But they'll still have to pay for someone else's vacation, $160,000 of taxpayer expenses for the prime minister to go down to the private villa, luxurious villa of a super rich Trudeau Foundation donor for which the nightly cost is as much as $9,000. How much did the prime minister pay for his accommodations at this luxurious villa? Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, our family have been good friends with this family for about 50 years, and as always, uh, we work with the Ethics Commissioner to make sure that all rules are followed. But if Mr. Speaker, the Leader of the Opposition, was truly concerned about affordability for Canadians, he would be voting to support our budget uh, that puts forward concrete measures to help Canadians from coast to coast to coast. He'd be fast-tracking the grocery rebate through this House to make sure that we can deliver as quickly as possible help to 11 million Canadians, and he wouldn't have to vote against the dental care supports that already helped about 250,000 young people right across this country. <laughs> the Honourable Leader of the Opposition. Here, this is a, v- a villa that rents out commercially for as much as $9,000 per night. If any other Canadian had stayed there, that's what they would have to have paid, and they would have to pay for their own airfare, not having a private jet. This Prime Minister wants us to believe that these... Trudeau, do- Trudeau Foundation donors offered him $9,000 a night vacation for nothing. We know nothing is free, Mr. Speaker. This is about influence and power for the super rich. So why won't he answer? How much should he pay in accommodation per night at this luxurious villa? Right, Honourable Prime Minister. I guess, Mr. Speaker, the Leader of the Opposition struggles with the concept of friendship, Mr. Speaker. My father was godfather uh, to one of their kids. Uh, Their their father was godfather to one of my brothers. This is 50 years of friendship, Mr. Speaker. Uh, But, of course, we worked with the ethics commissioners to make sure everything, uh, all the rules were followed. Nobody likes to answer questions. Nobody does. It's fucking hilarious to me. There's a reason they call it question period and they don't call it answer Answer period. period. You know? (laughs) It is a fair question, though. I mean, I would like to know, did he pay for it? Because if he paid for it, I don't care about the rest of it. If he paid the Air Canada equivalent for his airfare, fine. I don't have a problem with him taking the Challenger. That just goes with the gig. That's the rules, too. That's fine. If he stayed at a $9,000 a night villa, I know that he could have gotten a package cheaper than that. So did he pay for any of that? Yeah. That I'd kind of like to know, or if that's in this 160 grand. And did that include the jet fuel too? I'd also like to know that. I don't think we'll get an answer to that unless there's some sort of a freedom okay. of information request. But either way, that's what's going on in Ottawa. They're talking about the prime minister's vacation again. I can't handle the deflection all the time. And I'm not just talking about Trudeau because I know it goes both ways, all ways, especially during uh, election time, right? But it just baffles me. Like, did you? How much did you spend on this? Well, grocery rebates and voted against and things in dentistry. 
Like what? You did not answer the question. It's fucking great. It's just hilarious to me. They never do. And it, you're right. It is incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Kat, as you know, the cost of getting married is real. It is tangible. And even though you can get married for a very small amount of money, Mm -hmm. the vast majority of people do not get married for a small amount of money. They go for the big, lavish affair. They turn it into an all-day and all-night thing, and they're dropping 30, 40, 50, 60 grand in some cases on weddings, right? They are. A couple from Chicago, Craig and Catherine, who share a deep love for Harry Potter spent $25,000 to bring the wizarding world to life for their wedding ceremony. This is how into Harry Potter they were. They discovered that they both had matching dark mark tattoos related to the series while they were dating. They took that as a positive sign. Craig proposed to Catherine at Hogwarts Castle during their visit to Universal Studios in Orlando. (laughs) It's adorable. They began envisioning their big day. Wanting an unconventional wedding, they decided to incorporate Harry into the celebration with a deathly hollow-shaped altar as a backdrop. The guests were encouraged to dress in colors that matched the Harry Potter houses that they'd been assigned to in their invitations. Friends. <laughs> they were assigned their colors? Okay, great. A friend dressed as Dumbledore mm-hmm. officiated the ceremony. Perfect. And the couple's first dance was accompanied by the sight of them holding their wands swaying back and forth. They say it was an unforgettable day, but it cost them $25,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's fascinating when people are that into something, you know, where they go all out with the theme for their wedding. They found each other, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, could you imagine one of them hated Harry Potter? And the other one was right into it? Yeah. Like, that wouldn't have worked. But at least they both agreed. I'm trying to figure out what that would be like. If I got an invitation, it was like, you are Slytherin tonight. <laughs> yeah, like, dress appropriately. And I, what? I'd have to, like, Google everything. Like, what, am I, what am I supposed to bring? Do the gifts change? <laughs> what do I do? W- where did they have it, though? Like, 25 grand doesn't seem like a lot. I'm guessing it's U.S., so whatever. That's like 40 grand Canadian these days. So they had it, they in had a hall. it at a hall. Okay, but they decor- I assume it was decorated to the tits, just it, with Harry Potter shit. It looked like they got married at Hogwarts. That's cool. I mean, I think that's cool. Like, it's not my choice for a wedding, but if I was invited to a theme wedding like that, I'm in. I love theme parties. And if it's a wedding to boot, I'm cool with that. I would eat, I would drink your butter beer and shit like that. No problem. Heads up, everybody. Later on today, a 600-pound old satellite is going to come hurtling back towards Earth, and it's going to crash somewhere on the planet. NASA says it is a retired high-energy solar spectroscope imager spacecraft. Whew, that's a fucking mouthful. Wow. It's uh, going to be a lot more than that when it comes back down. No shit. It's going to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere today after more than two decades in orbit. It was launched in 2002. Most of the satellite, they say, is probably going to burn up when it re-enters the Earth's atmosphere. Okay. However, they've calculated the odds on it hitting somebody or something. What is it they say? The odds of winning the lottery are like one in a million. The odds of getting hit by lightning are like one in 50,000 mm-hmm. or something like that. The odds of getting hit by this satellite are one in 2,500. Oh. Ten times well, better odds than getting hit by lightning that you're going to get hit by this thing. Well, the odds of someone being hit is that. Not necessarily you, but still, heads up. 
That's uh, concerning. Listen, we can't just say, I know that there's a lot of junk in space. We have really littered up space. There are hundreds of satellites up there. And as they get older, they eventually run out of gas or they stop working. We all know and understand how electronics work. So some of them, they just sort of let them slowly drift back down into the lower orbit. And eventually gravity does what gravity does. It'll just pull it back yeah. down. And in this case, the satellite, they can't control it anymore because it's dead. It's just a piece of junk floating around in space that weighs 600 pounds. It's going to hit the Earth. And they figure it'll be around 930, but it all depends on how quickly it descends out of space. Weird, though. They must have, a, like, a rough trajectory of, like, where it's going to land. No, because they Not don't... Not even e a continent? No, because they don't exactly know what time it is. So they know where in space it is, and they know where the Earth is. If they knew what time or how quickly it was going to descend, they could say, okay, based on that descension rate, it's going to land in Egypt or wherever. Right. In this case, they don't even know. They figure around 9.30 p.m. tonight, it's going to come back down to Earth, but they say there's an eight-hour window on either side that it could happen. I love that when they put it up there, too. They know this. They know these things when they put these satellites up. And even to, like, put them up there and, like, well, one day this could come down and kill someone. Yep. All right. Well, we're all done with this one. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> I mean, look, a lot of other things should scare us in this world other than that. But I kind of hope it does not hurt anybody. But I kind of hope somebody does witness it fall. And then I wonder if it's going to be worth any money. Is oh. that worth any money? Like, does NASA want anything? Does anybody want anything to do with that? Like, if I had it, if I saw it, let's say it went, it was in my backyard. Uh huh. I, it's mine now, fuckers. You can and do I, that. I scooped it up and I brought it into my garage or some shit. What do I do with it now? And can I trade it in somewhere for something? Like, if you're thinking, can I take it down to like a Chevy dealership and get a spark <laughs> for it? No. <laughs> okay, what about like, what could I fetch on like Facebook Marketplace for that shit? Big money. You think so? This thing was in space. Yeah. It's broken and old, but it was in space. Right? And now you can own a part of it. I'm going to try. I hope I see it. Did I ever tell you about the Mir Crash Cash Club? No. Do you remember the Russian space station Mir? And it was falling right. out of orbit. This was many, 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 yes, many years ago. I remember Mir. I remember that. So we didn't know where that one was going to land either. There was no way to tell because, again, we didn't know how quickly it would descend from the lower atmosphere or the lower orbit. So the boss of the radio station that we used to work at came up with an idea. He said, you know what? The odds of this thing hitting Canada are really slim. So I'll tell you what. We'll do a contest. If any part of that space station lands in any part of Canada, anybody who's in for this contest is going to get 100 bucks. Okay, we had like tens of thousands of people enter this contest because it was a free hundred bucks if this happened to land in Canada. Yeah. We were freaking out because, again, we had no idea. Is this thing actually going to land in Canada? We were glued to the monitor trying to watch this feed from NASA, trying to determine where it was going to land, and just to confirm that none of it landed in Canada or we were going to be on the hook for like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and we weren't going to pay that. We thought this was just an easy thing. Like, ha yeah, if it lands here, we'll give you a hundred bucks. It almost did. Almost? Almost. He was—he had a fucking heart attack. <laughs> he was panicking until that thing safely crashed into the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> uh, that's great. Oy, oy. Uh, finally, we haven't talked about this on our radio show or in the podcast, really, because I think the story's a little silly, but I, I do like this angle. You may have heard that in the States, Fox News Channel was being sued by a Canadian company, Dominion Voting Systems. Back when Donald Trump lost the election... 
There was many that suggested that the voting machines made by Dominion were rigged. They rigged the election using the voting machines. Well, Fox News was being sued for going on with that narrative on their channel, and Dominion wanted over a billion dollars in this lawsuit. It was supposed to start yesterday, the trial, but they came to a settlement. Great. $787 million settlement. So here's how much $787 million is. It's not just more than three quarters of a billion dollars. Somebody actually worked this out. In terms of time, if you spent a dollar a second, it would take you 25 years to spend $787 million. Wow. A dollar a second, 25 years. Wow. In terms of weight, if you assume a dollar weighs about a gram, 787 million would weigh 1.74 million pounds. Oh my gosh. In terms of distance, if you laid out $787 million in single dollar bills end to end, it would stretch for 473 miles. You could buy 196 million Starbucks coffees with $787 million. You could buy 1,316 homes in America that all cost $600,000, which is a lot of money for a home in America. You could pay for four years of tuition plus room and board for 12,000 students. Wow. That's how much money that is. Assuming the cost of a six-pack of Bud Light is about eight bucks, which it is in America, you could buy 94,498,123 six-packs of Bud Light. Nah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Nobody drinks no, Bud Light anymore. I was anymore. just going to say no, except for the fact that nobody's going to want that. Man. It seems. It you, seems. The, uh, the controversy in America over that marketing move Honestly. by Bud Light to try and hire Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender uh, influencer on social media, to be on their cans, it is remarkable how many people have said, fuck it, I'll never drink a beer again. Uh, there were some country singers the other day, Big and Rich, probably heard of them. Mm-hmm. They said, you know how people used to, we'd, we'd go out for a couple of drinks with the boys and we'd say, yeah, bring us around to Bud Lights. He said, ain't nobody ever going to say that again. It's bad, Kat. It's really bad. We got to go, everybody. Have yourselves a fantastic hump day. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of After 9. And if you're up early in the morning, listen to the radio show. Yeah. Energy 95.3 or 91.5 to beat in the morning. You can listen to 103.1 Fresh Radio in London in the afternoon or 93.1 Fresh Radio in Barrie at night. And you can follow us at Scott Fox on air on Instagram and at Voice of Cat as well. And DM us any more Galen Weston memes you find. Have a great one. Amazon Prime is rolling out a feature that will allow you to boost the dialogue in movies and TV shows so that you can hear it over the background music and effects. Ooh. Yeah. In other news, apparently my dad got a job at Amazon. <laughs> Way to go, Dad. You, you, your dream came true. Hundreds of Southwest flights were grounded due to what the FAA described as equipment issues. Oh, you experienced that? The Southwest, I tell you, they spend so much time on the ground, they're basically a railroad now. Netflix announced that they are shutting down their DVD rental business. I miss Netflix DVDs. I love getting those. Are you still watching postcards in the mail?